0: Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah here in the Kintech studio. This hour is brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment, keeping you at the top of your game, now found together at DLEAMC.com. It is uh, Canuck Central and, yes, still on earlier in the day as uh, we are uh, taking over Canuck's talk for these two hours. So I hope you're enjoying it.
1: Yeah, Um, somebody texted in and said, Jason and Ladner, I have kids realizing now that that was a Halford and Bruff replay, LOL. It still applies. Bring on negative drance to make me feel better about my day. Sorry, Jason, that's not happening right now. (laughs) (laughs) It may Uh, be a negative discussion, but it's not going to be drance.
0: Well, I do believe I am... uh, nicknamed on this show. Well, the the regular show that's ah. in this time slot is Mr. Positivity. Oh, so. uh,
1: yes. <laughs> so so they're trying to emulate you with 10 minutes of positivity. Uh, I guess so. No. That's usually what they do. I see, I see.
0: Um well, Jason, we'll try uh <laughs> we'll try to brighten your day in a more positive manner than uh, what is normally done here from 12 to 2. Let's start on the Stanley Cup playoffs, So, Irfan Gafar is going to join us after 12.30, and Chris Peters get a little uh, look in at the NHL entry draft as we get closer and closer and closer. And by the way, we are, what, two weeks out or thereabouts from the uh – Mock draft or not oh, mock draft, draft. draft? Lottery, baby. <laughs> From the draft lottery.
1: Why did I call it a mock draft?
0: I've been watching too much NFL mock drafts. I mean, the Can NFL draft for Thursday? is
1: in two days, yeah. so uh, we're getting geared up. I feel like I have a lot of cramming to do for the NFL draft mm. between now and Thursday. But nonetheless, you're right. In a couple of weeks, we get to find out where indeed the Vancouver Canucks will be picking in this year's draft. And we're all hoping for some draft lottery luck. Uh,
0: Yes, we do know who will be first overall, but we'll talk about the NHL entry draft as it continues to shape up in the lead-up to the lottery and, of course, the NHL entry draft in June in Nashville. But uh, last night, Kale McCarr skirted punishment in the game between the Colorado Avalanche and Seattle Kraken, a game which the Kraken won... McCarr was originally assessed a five-minute major with a hit in the corner on Jared McCann. It was quite a late hit. Puck was not in the vicinity. And then it was reduced to a minor. And the NHL Department of Player Safety said he's going to have a hearing. And then today, he ends up getting a one-game suspension for the hit on Jared McCann.
1: So, yesterday we were discussing NHL officiating and you're of the mind that it's gotten worse. And some of the things you pointed to were the goals that have been missed, you know, uh, judged whether they should be goals or not be goals and missed
0: calls in the lead up directly to goals mm -hmm. or whatever it may be.
1: Yeah. And I was like, yeah, you're right. It has been, but I'm not sure we're seeing anything far different than what we've seen, um, in the regular season, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's obviously more attention to it and the stakes are certainly a lot higher this is embarrassing, <laughs> because the anti- so the officials on the ice yeah. called it a five minute major mm-hmm. and a game misconduct after Jared McCann is clearly injured yeah. after the play by Kale McCarr. Now, Cale McCarr's hit is not a hit to the head. It's not a hit from behind. It's not really a blindside hit. It is shoulder to shoulder, but it is two seconds late. Yeah, it's late. Like a hit that late. And if it causes injury, it's a major. Like, that's just the way it should be. Like, and if, the puck if, is not in the vicinity. And it, there is, there. Is, I mean, within the rule books, it does say interference calls that lead to injuries can be given a five-minute major. It's clearly a late hit. Mm-hmm. They go and review it, and they change it from a five-minute major to a two-minute minor. Yeah. And McCann's out of the game. He doesn't come back. He's mm-hmm. clearly injured. And today, McCarr gets a one-game suspension. The officials on the ice made a mess of it. An absolute mess of it. He should have been tossed from the game. And here's the funny thing: if he actually gets tossed from the game, I bet you McCarr gets a fine today. Yeah. Doesn't get suspended. But because the officials screwed up the call on the ice, yeah. The Department of Player Safety felt they had to give Kill McCarr a game. Because then you could make the argument he's already missed a game. Yeah, he missed the game. Got a fine. You know, that's a critical point of the game early on. He's not back anymore. You know, Colorado loses that game. Just you know, that's that's punishment. You dealt with it. The officials on the ice not only made a mess of it in terms of not giving Seattle what they needed, now they're making life even worse for Colorado. You're making the series worse for how you handle the call on the ice. To me, this is the most egregious call we've seen throughout the postseason. A guy is injured, a late a hit is late, it's clearly, clearly a, sus- a suspendable move, and then you reduce it from a five minute major to a two minute minor. Well, with so much we've talked
0: about um, having review. And I do think in certain situations reviewing or being able to review these majors is really good. You know, what was it? Game three between Toronto and Tampa Bay. They called the five minute major on Morgan Riley, and then it was reduced to no penalty at all because it was just an unfortunate happenstance that, you know, Braden Point lost his footing and it ended up looking really bad. And, a. Poor hit by Morgan Riley, but on replay, you look back at it, and you're like, okay, Riley didn't really do anything wrong here. So in that case, it actually worked. But in this case, you get video review, and you overturn what was widely perceived outside of that one referee group to be the correct call. They made the correct call initially on the ice, and then – I guess they cowered it out, and they were like, you know what? We don't want to call a five-minute major here on, on Kale McCarr and give him a game misconduct. We're just going to reduce this. Yeah. And 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 I don't get it whatsoever, Sap, because it's uh, – look, yes, Michael Bunting was a direct headshot. So there is that. And it definitely did cause injury. Eric Cernak is still not going to play in that series for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I disagreed with the three-game suspension – The reasoning that a lot of people talked about was two games for the headshot, one game for interference. This is one game for Kale McCarr, essentially just for interference. But just because there isn't direct contact with the head doesn't mean it's a less egregious hit. Because Jared McCann is unsuspecting that McCarr is going to engage physically, he's not prepared for the hit. He's not bracing himself for the hit. And what we know about head injuries is... If you're not expecting it, if you're not ready for it, that can be worse because that's when you really get jarred and you can have that movement of the brain inside the head. Yeah,
1: and you're right. I mean, it can lead to him. And clearly, it wasn't a head injury. I mean, it wasn't a head-on-head it wasn't a hit, direct head shot. It was shoulder-to-shoulder. you to see shoulder. the whiplash. He falls back. He, yes. he clearly either hits his head on the ice or the whiplash causes the issue for him, yeah. right? It's not a direct hit to the head, which I think, to your point, takes away at least one or two of the games. Because to me... At least, so I think it's a suspendable hit. It's a late hit and everything. It comes on the continuation of a play where he goes to the net. Yes. Right? So I think that is almost a more natural play, as much as it is illegal, than hitting a guy who's not on the ground the puck at all when he's not suspecting it. Should there be a case that McCann should be somewhat ready? Maybe, right? Hey, you're, you just finish. You go into the boards. Be somewhat aware there's no reason for for Surnack in my estimation to have any sort of awareness on that to get hit in the head. So I think I'm fine with those being different, but McCar maybe even gets a game if he gets tossed. I think it's hard to give two games. Yeah. for one of these hits, right? Because it's it's literally it's late.
0: Yeah. I disagree. And even if McCar, like I I don't I don't disagree. like I don't think McCar is being disingenuous when he says he felt the puck was going to end up landing in their vicinity. I don't think either player knew exactly where the puck was in the moment. Yeah. But you can't just be throwing a guy down like that. I mean, there's a reason Dale Hunter was trending, because it was very similar to that hit way back in the early 90s. Now, it
1: was—I mean, the difference with that hit, I would say, Turgeon scored. Yeah. Yeah. And he's skating around <laughs> the boards, and then out of nowhere, Dale, Dale Hunter, Hunter hits, comes and just yeah. like crushes him. Crushes him. Um, and
0: it's it's somewhat, which is much worse on Dale Hunter. Yes, yes.
1: it's it's a, and it, I get it. There are some similarities, but that hit was. If you go back and watch that hit, I think it's definitely more egregious.
0: There there are similarities, but yes, the Dale Hunter is <laughs> v- very much egregious. Thank you for pointing that out for me when I very clearly did not stipulate that. But it's. Like, I just really don't like this hit because of how unsuspecting Jared McCann yeah, is that's fair. of of the physical engagement in the moment. And I think, you know, given, I mean, we always have this problem with the Department of Player Safety. I get you gave Bunting three games. Why is McCarr only getting one? There seems to be a di- bit of a discrepancy there for me as, as much as I've tried to like figure out their, Equation for how it all works. I feel like Zach Galifianakis in The Hangover at the at the uh, at the blackjack table, and it's nothing about playoff suspensions really ever makes sense to me. So I'm not going to try and make sense of how the equation actually works. But this is a problem here now for the defending Stanley Cup champions, is it not? So if you now look at the Avalanche. Series is tied up at two. Seattle goes on to win that game. And yes, I still think Colorado is favorite to come out of this series because of who they are as the Stanley Cup, as the defending Stanley Cup champions. But in game five of this series, shouts to Peter Baugh for uh, shouting this out, uh, covers the avalanche. In game five of this series, they will be without five of their top 11 scorers from the 2022 playoff Kale McCarr, Gabriel Landeskog, Valerie Nichushkin. Nazem Kadri and Andre Burakovsky. Mm-hmm. This is a much shallower Colorado Avalanche team than we saw last year, and let's forget about Makar's absence in Game Five. We've been able to notice that even with Makar in these games for the first four of the series.
1: Yeah, we really have. And you know, we were discussing this yesterday a little bit above Colorado, and hey, clearly the injuries are an issue. Not having to choose skin. And did they do enough to address their second-line center need at the deadline? And, hey, the expectation was Landeskog is coming back. That's what we thought. That was kind of the the buzz, but we weren't sure. But it's like, okay, if Landeskog comes back, he takes a lot of face-offs. He can play center. He can help out in a big way, right? You can find a way to get through it. But if now you're looking at JT Comfer being your best player outside your first line, that's rough. And he's a good player. He's had a good year. But he's not really a play driver that generates on his own. Like, he hits with speed. He's had a good season. But he's a guy that's driving Put up over 50
0: points is a guy you would love to have as your third-line center and can fill in in a second-line center role when you have an injury or something to that effect, but not a guy that you would consider the level of
1: what it takes to win a Stanley Cup championship. And I think that's a big issue here when it comes to their play against uh, Seattle. Because – I don't think Seattle has anywhere near the high end. I think it's but obvious. But they've got depth. They have depth. And down the middle, they have depth. They play with a lot of pace. And there is a level of passivity to how Colorado is playing. They had eight shots on goal through the midway point of that game yesterday. Yeah. And it's not just about the shots. They're not getting in on the forecheck. Mm-hmm. They're not aggressive on the forecheck. Their transition game looks clunky. They still have one of the best blue lines, if not the best, best blue line in the National Hockey League. Yeah, They have a really good defense. But they're struggling transitioning the puck right now, and a lot of it has to do with just their overall team game. But it's, the injuries are a factor for sure. That they're not a, they're not playing like a team that's cohesive right now at all. Yeah, and that's an issue. Like, if you don't find that in the playoffs, you're not going to find it. Like, I don't think you grow into that. I don't think it's one of those things in the playoffs where it's like, hey, you had a bad round, you you were passive, but as the rounds went on, you kind of grew into it. I don't think that's a tr- I don't think that's a truth in in hockey. Yeah, they they had it at different points of the season though yes
0: especially towards
1: the end when they yes. really
0: it felt like they were starting to find their gear they started to get a little bit more healthy it, it almost feels to me like they've had all of these injuries
1: and there's maybe just not the level of confidence that this is their year I think that's a great way of maybe trying to get to the problem here because it looks to me as much as they don't look like a confident team. Yeah. They don't look, at, look like a team that is that is convinced about what they're doing. It's very clear when you watch them. Yeah. When they play well, it's when McCarr decides to just take over. McKinnon decides to take over and all of a sudden those guys will really lean and on the power play you saw when Ranton tied the game up, they finally got loose. They moved the puck beautifully. It yeah. was it was so beautiful on the offensive end. You saw the chemistry coming back, but it's fleeting. It's a moment here, a moment there, maybe on the power play, which has also been very dismal for them throughout the postseason so far. They don't look they don't look convincing at all. Like I'm very unimpressed. And I like what Seattle's done. I'm giving them a lot of credit for sure because you know they they work in, they're working their asses off. I think what they've had as an edge outside of the center depth and having you know a solid team, they're playing like every single shift is their last shift in their life. Yeah. That that's how they're playing this series. And right now, Colorado just cannot match that intensity. And if you don't have the team game, you don't have the intensity, plus you have some injuries, that's why Seattle is clearly the better team, even though I still think Colorado's roster is better despite the injuries.
0: You can't expect to just get bailed out by your stars constantly over and over and over again. Now, the thing about Colorado, and you just mentioned this, they didn't go after a second-line center. We all felt they would, whether it was Ryan O'Reilly here in Vancouver. We felt they might be in on Bo Horvat for a lot of the year. There was other guys out there. They end up settling and signing or trading for Lars Eller from the Washington Capitals. Solid third-line center, can help your PK, but is not really a top-six guy. I think there is no excuse when you are in a situation like the Colorado Avalanche are, defending Stanley Cup champions... You have a cup contender. You know you're good. I don't think there's any reason to hold on to your first-round pick when you're in a situation like the Colorado Avalanche are. I you, dis- you should be trading that and trying to win a cup every single year.
1: I don't disagree. And I think one of the things about Colorado, and we've we've outlined this uh, over the course of the past year or so when we discuss rebuilds and people mention the Colorado model. And the Colorado model, as far as drafting development goes, is not a good one. Mm-hmm. like the Colorado outside of hitting on first round picks have pretty much hit on nothing the past like six five six I mean go back even 12 13 years yeah like I'm not kidding go go to their hockey DB page and their draft history and look at their draft picks outside the first round for the past 12 13 years it's not pretty man like their their best second round pick selection yeah goes back to 2009 and it was Ryan O'Reilly <laughs> They've barely had anybody play games for them outside the first round over the past decade. They hit on their first round picks. They've done a good job of doing that. but They've missed on a few. But that's pretty much the only picks that they've been able to turn into something is their first round pick. So maybe that's why they're not trading their firsts. But this is a team that has done a really poor job of developing players outside the second round. And they're better off, in my estimation, based on their draft and development record, to trade for help and try to win a Stanley, another Stanley Cup or two than trying to lean on to the draft process because it hasn't been a good one for them. Do you know how
0: many players are in the Avalanche lineup that they directly have drafted?
1: So give me an over-under. Um, let's say seven and a half. Under. Easy under. I'd say under five.
0: It is... Bang on the number at five. Five? I would have taken the under. Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. Miko Rantanen. Alex Newhook. Bowen Byram. And Kale McCarr. Yeah. And what do all those players have in common?
1: First-round picks. High 1st They round were picks. drafted
0: 16th overall or higher. Yeah. <laughs> New hook being the lowest one on that, and right now he's their fourth-line center. Hasn't really developed in the way that you would have expected him to, especially if you watched him over here in the BCHL before he got
1: drafted. So if you look at their past three drafts, go back to 2020, they have one player who's played 68 games, more than any other player they've mm-hmm. drafted. He's played 68 games. Wow. He plays for the Canucks. Niels Olman. Oh my goodness. Niels Olman has played 68 games. He was drafted in the sixth round, 167, in 2020, and no player drafted since then or before him in that same draft has played more games than Niels Olmanson in the NHL.
0: Now, look, they've they've done some good things to add to this team. Of course, right? they, you they know,
1: hit dra- trades and they trade Justin Barron designing. was used
0: yep. to get Arturi Leikkanen. He was a draft pick of theirs. Drew Hellison was uh, uh, sent to Anaheim to acquire Josh Manson they've done really well at identifying other talent and signing players in good spots. Mm-hmm. Uh Nichushkin was a big one. Um, they really hit with Devon Taves and Sam Gerard. Like the biggest thing that they did was hit on that Duchesne trade. Like it's the home run of all home runs in recent trades. What they got out of that. You know, they got Girard, they got the extra first rounder that turned into uh, Bowen Byron yeah. you know they, they've just, they just that was a really big thing and then getting to Chushkin to sign on a league minimum deal after he got cut by the Dallas Stars I mean these are the home run type of hits that you need if you're not going to have success in the draft in the later rounds like you compare it to Tampa yeah. where their home runs not only in you know undrafted free agents like Yanni Gord and Tyler Johnson through the years but also guys like Braden Point later on in the draft and Anthony Sorelli later on in the draft. Like they've hit in a lot of different places. Whereas Colorado hasn't had the success later on in the NHL entry draft. And,
1: you know, I wonder, we'll see what happens in this series, you know, if they don't win it, but I just wonder if you did yourself a disservice during your window. They won a Stanley cup and that's more than what Vancouver's done. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's, it's incredible what that organization has done, but, did they do enough to take advantage of what they do well? And I, I'd say no. And if you're trying to lean on holding on some more draft picks and everything, yeah. I think that's a wrong move given how much you're paying Nathan McKinnon next season. And, and maybe, and especially if you kind of knew that Atlanta Scott wasn't going to come back, did you kind of punt on this year to some degree? Yeah. And to your point about the lack of confidence, do those guys kind of feel like, hey, we're banged up? We don't quite have it. Yeah. Maybe this isn't our year. We know what we were last year. We're not what, what we were last year. It just seems like a missed opportunity for a team that was really on the verge of doing something special.
0: It just the it seems like the team has sagged since the news about Landeskog yeah. came out. Uh in a way, at least in the, in the way that I see them playing on the ice. I wonder if Colorado ends up having a little bit of a uh lull here in the way that Pittsburgh did. Um when, you know, they won that first cup in 09 and then it took them a while to reset and find it again before they won again uh couple's back to back in 2016 and 17. We'll see, though. I mean, when you have Kale McCarr and you have Nathan McKinnon, you're going to have a chance pretty much every season. Mm-hmm. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah. The other one is the Tampa Bay Lightning. Up 4-1 in that game. <laughs> Maple Leafs know a few things about f- blowing 4-1 leads. Yeah. They're usually not the team that turns it around. But 4-1, second half of the third period, and they give up that 4-1 lead and the Leafs win at 5-4 in overtime. There's too many injuries on this Lightning roster right now. And the goalie isn't playing at a superhuman level to bail them out of it. I think the Lightning are cooked.
1: Yeah, they look like they're in trouble, right? And, and, and I, I got to say, they play their hearts out. Still. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a team that is gr- grinding out every single shift. I mean... I know they don't have the same amount of injuries and the same issues Colorado has, but look at the mentality of a team that has injuries has been to three straight Stanley Cup finals and how every single shift they're laying it out there still. Yeah. They, they just may not have enough. To, you know, and the reason I also picked against Tampa and some of it was with Toronto how they've played, but it's just how many years in a row can you get far? Yeah. Eventually, someone catches up on you and I've been kind of thinking about a take about Tampa. I think the best thing to happen to Tampa is to lose in five games in the series. Really? I think if they can lose in the next game, be done, have a bit of a longer off season, it gives them another chance to kick a, take another kick at it for one or two years. I think they need a long off season, and I think if they just win this round, they'll still lose in the round two most likely. They're not going to win a cup this year. I think the best thing for that team is losing in the first round. That's an interesting thought. Um they look like a team as much as they
0: still have a ton of talent and they do have some pretty good young players on that roster too. It just it feels like it's getting towards the end. Yeah. And you know, I know there was that incredible tidbit from Lalonde on the Sportsnet broadcast last night about how to work against Andre Vasilevsky. With the point shots. Yeah. Yeah. That and, was really good
1: breakdown. Yeah.
0: We'll we'll dive into that a little bit more tomorrow with Kevin Woodley, yeah. our goalie guru. But It's still Andre Vasilevsky, (laughs) and I'm sure teams have tried this in the past. But you look at how the Leafs have scored a bunch of goals; they have been, you know, seeing eye singles from the point, trying to find that little hole, and Vasilevsky hasn't been able to track it well. You look at the overtime goal getting that tip in front was massive. So, i I just don't see Tampa being able to turn this around, especially after you know they were the better team in games three and four for. Most of those games, but just weren't able to close it out. And I think that's because of their injuries. Without the injuries, you know, if they have Cernak and if Hedman is more healthy, if they have Sorelli in the lineup, do they blow a 4 1 lead like that? Probably not. And, no. And,
1: and the other thing about it, too, is like, I wonder how much of that mental fatigue is in there, too. Like, yeah. one of the reasons why Tampa's been so good is like, They've been able to hold on to leads late, but they have this great mental fortitude. They have this great focus. They don't make mistakes, right? I mean, when they decide to to suffocate a game, they can suffocate the game. How many small little mental mistakes did we see late in that game? Yeah. You're starting to see, and I wonder if that's just, I mean, and again, this goes back to you played three straight years getting to cup finals, like intense hockey where your focus has been 10 out of 10 every single game, every single shift, essentially, for years. At some point, you, you kind of start breaking down a little bit. You know, And I'm seeing some uncharacteristic mistakes, some uncharacteristic decisions by the Tampa Bay Lightning, which I attribute to they're probably just a bit gassed right now. And I still think they have so much talent that they can probably get to another cup final or two. But this does not look to be their year. Um, All right. We're going to get to some of your texts.
0: We're going to get to Irfan Ghaffar. Canuck Central continues on Sportsnet 650.
2: Big opinions and good bets.
1: It's The People Show with Bik Nizar. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you
2: get your podcasts.
0: Canuck Central in the Kintec studio. Kintec footwear and orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintec.net. This hour, brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at D-L-E-A-M-C.com. Um. So... You know, it was some really good hockey last night. Didn't get the uh, greatness performances uh, necessarily from any one individual in the same way that we saw for uh, your guy there, LeBron
1: James, Sat. <sighs> what a game last night.
0: Woo! 38 years old, played 45 minutes, mm-hmm. scored 22 points, had over 20 rebounds, 7 assists, Beating out the NBA Defensive Player of the Year, Jaron Jackson, for rebounds left, right, and center. The man is thirty-eight. Yeah, you're not supposed to be able to do that at thirty-eight years old in the NBA. Oh. You should be a coach. Well, and- or a scout. <laughs> what are you doing? How, How is a thirty-eight-year-old the best player on the ice? It does not make on the on the ice on, on the, the court.
1: Well, it doesn't it's- make any sense. It doesn't, but maybe someone should tell Dylan Brooks that. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that I'm doing this to Dylan Brooks, Canadian guy, right? But like just shut your mouth. Yeah. Just shut up. Like you you're talking crap against LeBron? Like are you for real? Like he especially that drive he had. He mm-hmm. just bullied uh Dylan Brooks to get that bucket late last night. Like, yeah. I mean, you know what Dylan did? Don't poke don't poke LeBron. Don't poke great players like that. It's, it's it never works out. Yeah. It never works out. Um it's funny they dug up A video of
0: Brooks in January. I guess the question was, how do you how how are you defending LeBron? He's just like, Oh, I I put him onto his left every time. And what does LeBron do last night? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Oh, you want me to go to my left? All right. Sure. (laughs) And I'll just do it. yeah, I mean it's just because
0: I'm LeBron freaking James, and
1: and I and I like Memphis yeah. in general because they, they play tough, and I like John Morant a lot. And although not his off court decisions, I've been I'm pretty disappointed in mm-hmm. a lot of the things he's been up to. But it's like why give LeBron or in the Lakers any sort of an edge in a series like this? The last thing you need to do is is challenge LeBron James. It's like challenging Le- Michael Jordan in his prime almost. Like what are you doing? Especially if you're like if if it was if it was Giannis, yeah, you know, like if it, if it's one of the best players in the NBA, I'm like sure, all right. You think you're better than LeBron? Great. But when I mean, you know doesn't... you're not, like, why are you pissing him <laughs> off?
0: So uh, stupid. Let's bring in our next guest. Uh, from the fourth period, Canucks Insider, it is Irfan Whoa. Gaffar. Uh, what would you make of LeBron's performance last night?
2: 2020. Gave him 40.
1: First yeah. 2020 game of his career, and it comes at uh, 38 years old. It was the first one the Lakers have had since like Shaq in 04 or something, yeah. I think.
2: You know what's funny, though? Like You watch like those panels and stuff like that, and I, I almost think that like these guys kind of get a little bit jealous when someone breaks their records. Like, oh Jack's
1: yeah, Oh yeah, Shaq for sure was pissed. <laughs> oh, he was. I mean, Shaq's always mad about stuff.
2: Yeah, but no, I mean, it was great. Like I have a Laker guy, so it's cool to go to Memphis.
0: Uh, yep. Your Lakers are up three one now. That's that's. Just
2: I don't the- know. I don't know who the NBA wants more though. Like, I mean, they probably obviously want the Lakers and LeBron, but like Warriors, Grizzlies because of all that crap between like Draymond and them. That like that like that would have been a really cool matchup to watch too. But I guess you probably want Lakers Warriors.
0: Yeah. I think you always want the Lakers if you're the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh that's that's for sure. Uh but uh LeBron less cooked than the Lightning are right now, hey?
2: Oh my god. I like Leafs are just good. I mean, you see all the quotes about Sheldon Keith saying, you know, I feel, things feel different this year around this team and stuff like that. And look at three or 4-1 down in the in, in the third period and you know that team came back like in years years past you've never seen that before from the Leafs. So maybe there's a little something different in the air but um it's going to be interesting to see if they if they can actually have that killer instinct here and actually close it out on home ice. Well I think that's the one where you have to. Like, you, you, ha- you have to win tomorrow. Well, I think... I can't think let it, have it back in this series at all.
1: And we've seen Toronto blow 3-1 series leads before, right? People are yeah. texting that in. Don't forget the Bruins and Dallas series. Like, hey, you guys think Toronto's going to win this? Are, you, are, you, are we sure about this? Toronto knows how to choke in the first round. And they've done that, absolutely. And I think if they lose this series at this point, it's because they don't have the, have the mental fortitude to win. Really, it is, because you have a 3-1 lead in the series, you should be able to win one more game here, and if you blow this 3-1 series lead, then this core is not it. Like, it's just not it.
2: Wow. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree with you. I mean, look, the Leafs could get goalie Vasilevsky could go off for one of his monster performances, but you know, he's let in a lot of goals in this playoffs too. Yeah. So maybe he's just not there, and then maybe this is the end for Kemba, right? It was a little bit too much.
0: Vas uh, Vas well, hearing all these uh, people saying like, "Oh yeah, he's susceptible to point shots." He's just gonna like, "All right, <laughs> I'm shutting it yeah. down. Shut up for three games in a row." Uh yeah. that probably. I just won't I happen. don't know. I, I don't
2: see a situation where they blow this. I just think this seems a little bit like they're it's, it, it, they are a little bit different. Like the that the third period comeback yesterday made, made me think that before I was like, "All right, at least you're gonna lose this series; And Tampa's to win." But after yesterday, I was like, "Oh man." It's well, like, maybe a little bit different of the least
0: team. They actually went after good players at this deadline.
1: <laughs> Ryan <laughs> O'Reilly. You know? I mean, is Ryan O'Reilly the best trade deadline acquisition? Feels like it. Like, is there a player who was acquired at the deadline who's played better so far in the first round?
2: Uh I mean, got no.
1: I mean, we have the goals. This,
2: this is exactly why they brought him in, right? Yeah. He gets turned against Vancouver. He's out for a little bit of time. He's back to the playoffs, and he's exactly what they need him to be. And they're playing him in his natural position now. Yeah, right? he's not playing on the wing. He's playing center. He's playing where he should play. And then, and you know, like I think when people may not like think of it this way, like, he's got the rookie, he's got the kid on his wing. Yeah. All right. So nothing nice, and obviously this kid's gonna learn how like how to play in the NHL and then all that. But um, yeah, it's been it's been really 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 impressive. People are gonna get pissed that we're gushing all over the Leafs right now, but. You know what? There's not much to talk about in Canuckland. <laughs> you know what,
1: though? It'll be hilarious if they blow it, then it'll be funny. Be like, yeah. hey, even we try to give the Leafs credit. We even tried to believe in the Leafs, and they found a way to blow it. Uh,
0: Dell and Surrey, so you're saying Toronto won't blow a 3-1 series lead? They've done it at least twice in recent years. <laughs>
2: at least. Uh, I don't know. I just don't think that they're going to. Yeah. It, it, I'll, eat, I'll eat my words. Ne- ne- next week, you can play this clip back if they end up doing it, but... Yeah. I, I really, don't. I think, I think, I think at least at least in second round.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, like, you know, just on, on the acquisition level, getting Spezza in recent years, they spent all that on uh, Nick Foligno and he ended up getting hurt. But Ryan O'Reilly is legit. I mean, the guy won, uh, you know, was huge for St. Louis just a couple of years ago when they won the cup. And maybe he's not it's that player to. anymore, but to have him yeah. as your third line center, what a luxury that is. Um,
2: Who's who this on more than if they lose? Is it the coach or is it the GM? GM gave the GM gave the gave the coach every every opportunity here. Yeah. Well
0: yeah, I guess it would be I guess it would be coach at this point.
2: Well GM doesn't have a contract for next year, I don't think.
0: Unless Samsonov blows it and then then you could put it on the uh then you could put it on yeah. the GM for not figuring out their goalie situation. Yeah. Um Kale McCarr, one game suspension. Yes, the series is two two, but Sat and I were you know, sensing some doubt uh, around the Colorado Avalanche and where they're
1: at right now, going forward in the series. Sorry, sorry, I'm just laughing at uh, the text inbox. Oh, okay, Is I'm there sorry. Something well, good
0: on the text inbox? Well, I
1: mean, we we are uh, you know what? I'm sorry for interrupting. I just <laughs> Dan just looked at me. I was laughing because like who's who's been a better uh, trade deadline acquisition than Ryan O'Reilly? Somebody just texted in. it's not Horvat. I'll tell you that for free.
2: <laughs> I was about to say that. <laughs> I
1: almost. Did it. I'm sorry. I just I couldn't stop laughing when I saw it.
0: <laughs> well it's definitely not Horvat we'll, we'll get to that in a minute um is, is Colorado in trouble with Kel McCarr suspended for one
2: yeah anytime that guy anytime your best player one of your best players is not in the lineup you're definitely in trouble yeah. but I mean like you just mentioned it there off the top of that you're talking like this isn't the same Colorado team either right you don't have Landis Cog you don't have Kadri right you're missing some key guys and now you're going to miss McCarr and like this Seattle team for as much as you know, a bunch, there's just a bunch of guys that are playing really, really, really well. No superstars on that team, really. Jeremy McCann's a 40-goal scorer. I mean, hopefully we'll, we'll get to see him at some point in the playoffs again. You hope he's okay. This is second, might be second or third concussion, I think. Um, so, you know, you obviously hope he's okay as well and be, be able to come back. But suspension, obviously, I, I definitely think it was deserved. I know there's a lot of people that will say a lot of different things. Um, when you look at it but that's definitely a suspension the fact that the refs screwed that up on the ice is just more on the terrible officiating that we've had these playoffs so far but definitely suspension and you know it might be one of those weird things to say where the defending champs are in trouble against the Kraken well
1: and, and honestly they've they have injuries and I think that's caused some issues too but they're also not playing with the type, type of pace we've seen from them before. They're not playing with the type of aggressiveness we've seen from Colorado before. And, and Dan was making the point, they look like a team that a, either doesn't have any confidence or look like a team that kind of just isn't feeling it for whatever reason. Like They don't look anywhere like the team they look just down the stretch even to finish the season. No, oh, not at all.
2: And is it one of those, is it a playoff hangover that kicked in a little bit too late? So these guys, right? Um, it's just, there's just something there. And then, they and you got to give Seattle credit, right? They're, they're they're playing them well. They're making life miserable for them. Um, and McKinnon can only be godly every so often. You can't expect that from him every single game uh, for him to go out and do crazy things. And now without McCarr, uh, there's there's definitely some trouble there.
0: It's uh, Seattle is it, we're not there yet, and it is their second season compared to it being Vegas's first. But they almost have the the band of misfits type of. Uh, Feel about them now, where it's just like they've got four really good lines, not one superstar on that team, but they play hard as hell and they find ways to get it done. And that's that's kind Jordan of what Everly Vegas was in their first goals. year.
2: Yeah, like Jordan Everly scoring big goals. Yeah, uh, like flashback to early 2000, mid 2000s. Yeah, he's he doing that for Team Canada. But I mean, yeah, I, look, I, I, it is really a man of when you think about it, because most of those players were acquired in the expansion draft, and their old teams didn't want them. Um, so you rally around that a little bit. You get a goalie that's playing well, right? And they're buying whatever hacksaw is selling right now, and I think they're doing a pretty good job of it. So we we touched on
0: Horvat uh, Islanders trying to stave off elimination tonight against the Hurricanes. And no, it's not fair to put it all on Horvat that the Islanders are down in this series. Sat and I talked about it yesterday. You know, he has played well, even if. The production uh, hasn't really been there. He's, you know, just not had some luck in this series so far. You could put it that way, but it's sort of one of those things. Like you get the big contract, you're the big acquisition. Guess who's going to take a lot of the blame?
2: Yeah. How many times this season before Horvat was gone did we put stuff on JT Miller? Yeah. When 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 things weren't going well for the Canucks, he's a big money guy. He's the guy that's gonna he's the guy that's gonna you know take a little bit of the blame here. You know, they, they, they gave up a lot to acquire him, and then you, you gave him the bag, right? Um, finding his way a little bit, I kind of want to say, but you can almost not use that as an excuse anymore because he's been there for quite some time now. Um, they're also playing a good team, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny since for us to be here and just talk about it, and, you know, both not playing well. The team's going to get, well, going to get bounced at top one here in the playoffs and both in the playoffs right? And I think that that's one of the things where you look at it and you say, alright, he's playing like crap, or he's not playing well, he's not producing for his team, but he's still in the postseason. And that's where this team has a lot of work to do. They they certainly do, right? And I,
1: I just look at the Islanders and I kind of wonder, in general, like, are they one of those teams that is going to massively regret the, the things they've done? Or are we going to look at them in a couple of years and say, hey, it actually made sense? Like, Barzal takes a step. I mean, because they're locked into their core, but they they're deep their blue line isn't overly old. They have a lot of good players on defense. Barzell still hasn't found that next step. Like, is it as dire as it seems? Like, I guess the Bull horbat thing looms large. Can he be worth the money or not? But I don't know if it's, if it's that lost with the New York Islanders. Like, I do think they have some older guys, but like, I do think they do have a lot of pieces in place, which could, you know, help them turn things around if they make a couple moves.
2: Yeah. See, their foundation's pretty good. Yeah. Like, what they have. I mean, you got a good goalie. Right, that's one. You do have some defensemen who, like you mentioned, aren't that old, and then your forwards are are are, are pretty good for the most part. So it's just about putting it together, right? Is your coach the right person for the job? You know, is this, this going to be Lou's last year? Like, what's going to happen for Lou after this? Um, all that kind of stuff comes into play as well. But it doesn't matter that team just, you know, like speaking speaking to the playoffs is just not being able to produce, and I think it happens. But it's funny when you look at it because on paper. Like, in all reality, that team should be able to beat the Carolina Hurricanes. But the Hurricanes are just so well-coached. And whatever system that they have makes guys like Jalen Chatfield look really, really, really good, too. And I know like Jalen, but he's played some of the best hockey of his career.
0: Uh, Irfan Gaffar, uh, in a lot of commotion right now, as we can hear in the background.
2: Take so hot, around, sirens, siren's chasing. Don't walk around downtown ever. <laughs>
0: It's constant. The sirens are constant around downtown Vancouver. We all know it. Um, so after uh, they blew game four, the L.A. Kings, I, uh, I've i kind of felt like they may be cooked uh, as well. <laughs> I've said that a lot today, <laughs> but um, it, it's just one of those things. You have a team like the Oilers on the ropes in that moment, you're up 3 nothing in the game, have a chance to put them down 3-1 in the series. McDavid hasn't really got going yet at 5-on-5. Five five. It it feels like a massive missed opportunity. I don't I don't think the, the Oilers, you know, take that for granted. I think we see the best of McDavid moving forward here.
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, the Kings had to, you know, they had their foot on the throat and they just didn't put their foot down yeah. in that game. Right. They, they could have taken a really big stranglehold on that series and it could have been then we would, the conversation would have completely been turned and when all the pressure in the world would have been on McDavid and Dreisaitl. and you know, is this core able to produce? When's McDavid gonna ask for a trade? All sorts of stuff. And now, two two going back, I agree with you. I think McDavid's gonna have his best game tonight. Like I think he's gonna go off. I think yeah. he's gonna have one of those McDavid games where we look back and say, Okay, game five against the Kings, that was a McDavid game. Um, but yeah, you are right. Five one five, they haven't really done anything. Three of the four games have gone into overtime, so it's tight checking Both coaches are making lives miserable for each other. Um, you know, a lot of one-goal games, obviously, and 14-13 in goals as well. Like, it's, it, there's not, there aren't really that high scoring either. So,
1: you look at it,
2: and you say, the, the Kings and the Oilers, like, they've played 15 times since the start of last year's playoffs. Like, that, that right there in itself is two teams that just don't like each other. So, I'm really excited to see what happens tonight.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the thing I wonder about, about this L.A. Kings team, is their goaltending good enough? Because Corpus Allen, yeah. The, no, I mean, no, just in uh, what L.A. has done, because one of the things L.A. has done, and they've been able to get through with it, they play the one-one-three essentially, right, which just kind of keeps uh, L.A., I mean, keeps Edmonton as, at bay as much as possible, makes it very hard for them to break things down. But Corpusalo looks like he's kind of getting a little bit longer here, right? Like he was fantastic the first couple of games. And as good as he's been, I don't know if their style can hold the fort long enough. Like I know they've done a decent job so far, but it almost feels like the roof's gonna cave in on that team pretty soon. I don't know, no, it's kind of the sense I get.
2: Yeah. I mean
1: uh well, yeah, I
2: mean I thought that was gonna happen to the Oilers here and then obviously they, they changed things too, but it's it's weird. Like this, this Kings team, it's you almost think that they're kind of built to win a little bit. But I agree with you, Scott. Like it, like the tie could be could be falling here. And then what? And then what's gonna happen with this core, right? You know, you got Kopitar, Dowdy, but you have all these really really young, good young players. Um, so are you are you gonna be able to take a step and move forward again, right? Or are you just a team now that's gonna be struggling to make the playoffs? And that's what they have to decide what they want to do. Um, but. Yeah, this this matchup is the one that fascinates me. I still think that this is going to go seven games too. Uh, this series for sure, but it'll be fun tonight. Uh, before
0: we let you go, Thursday NFL draft, Seahawks drafting uh, fifth overall. Uh, they they keep getting mocked, uh, Jalen Carter, the uh, defensive tackle out of Georgia. But if yeah. uh, if a quarterback is there, do you think uh, Pistol Pete and <laughs> and the rest of the crew make it make a change up for us?
2: This is the one rare time where you have to go with the best player available. Like if Jalen Carter's there, you probably take him. Yeah. Right. I don't. I don't think you go. You don't need a quarterback today. I, I don't think, but it'd be nice to have one in a few years when Geno's contract's up. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I really think you have to go with you know the best player available. So that'll be fun too. I mean that draft is wild. Didn't someone post on Reddit that like Will Levis is going to go number one overall because he's telling his friends and family or something, and then the odds for him. To get picked number one overall, like completely changed. Yeah,
0: he wasn't even on the board as the number one overall. He wasn't even on the
2: board. He was like plus six thousand. Now he's plus six hundred.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to touch on something though before we leave. You sent us a text and we kind of looked at this. It was a courtesy uh, of Manuel Veth, uh, on Twitter, (laughs) good friend, and uh, he says uh, he he had the MLS franchise rankings. So this is kind of looking at, um, you know, MLB, uh, sorry, MLS history, and they've kind of done all the, you know, (laughs) points per season and, you know, debut years and all that. So the Vancouver Whitecaps in MLS history have been the second worst franchise in terms of points (laughs) per season in the history of the league. Yeah, so it's according to the writers of the
2: Athletic, and yeah. of, and of course to anyone that's with I.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yes. Anybody that's followed the
0: Whitecaps through their twelve years of existence in MLS. And I
1: and I saw that's my crazy buddy. Crazy though. Well, it, I know it's, the yeah, thing is crazy, crazy. and uh, and I, I saw my friend uh, Ian McClutchy point this out as well. That Chivas that went that like was that folded years ago, <laughs> ranks
2: ahead of the Whitecaps. They're not even a team yeah. anymore. No. <laughs> oh. Oh. It's, it's crazy, man. And I, look, I, we poke fun and then we do this. And, you know, the, the, the Davies stuff was great. And they sold them. In. But I think that when you look at them and like Dan, you mentioned, like it's 12 years. Yeah. That's a lot of bad. Like there's got to be some good in there. I mean, yeah, the Davies story was great. But it's like there's, when there's way more bad than good. And yeah, you definitely deserve to be at the bottom of that list. 100%.
1: Well, and also, like, this whole Apple TV thing, Yeah, like, it's, like, it's, and I get it, like, hey, you're you're trying to do what you can for your league, but I know people that aren't watching Whitecaps, like, I'm not getting Apple TV, like, unless there's a game on, like, I'm just not going to go out of my way to watch it, like, yeah. you're not opening yourself up to a bigger audience. It's kind of like NHL when it went to Comcast. Yeah. Yeah,
2: but, that, but I, that's a league thing. No, I know, yeah. but still,
1: it hurts your yeah. product, you know, like, it's, 100%. it does, especially in a market like this, you're trying to grow a bit more, you're trying to get more eyes on, and. Unless you go to a game, unless you get it on, but Whitecaps TV ratings were never. No, I understand, but you still only diehards were watching, anyways. No, sure, but I mean, you, the goal has to be to grow. I mean, look, look at your lack of success. Yeah. Isn't the goal to grow your game? Well, um. yeah,
2: and, and I think that that's just that's just a whole MLS thing, right? You yeah. find it like your US men's national team program is pretty good. The Canadian men's national team just made the World Cup yeah. the first time in forever, and then you know you, you do this television deal, and you're you're literally going alienate, to alienate an entire generation of people and kids whose parents probably aren't going to buy it for them to have to watch stuff. So the problem is is how many other leagues are going to go do that soon too because of the money involved. Like Apple, Amazon, they can go buy whatever they want. So it's going to be soon enough where you look and you say, okay, what, what's going to happen when the NHL national rights deals out? Right? Something, something crazy is going to happen there. And The NFL probably is always interested to be on TV and so is the NBA and MLB, but the NHL one's going to be interesting in a couple of years. Uh,
0: all right, Irf. Go back to your day. Thanks for this.
2: Oh, more cops. All
0: right. Bye. <laughs> uh, there is uh, Irfan Gafar So the uh, the fan in me wants the Seahawks to draft Anthony Richardson, but is I, he gonna... I feel like Jalen Carter is. You the think so? Right
1: pick. Probably. Probably. I mean, is this your best chance though at a high pick?
0: I think a QB goes at one and probably four. Yeah. And it's probably, well, I mean, it's looking like Bryce Young and and Levis are the two guys that go
1: first. It does look that way. But, I mean, I don't know. I think that I wouldn't be shocked if Seattle does take a quarterback here. Because if Geno is not the guy, Mm -hmm. are you just then hoping that you're going to have another bad year in a year or two? Like, are you trying to win with Pete? Is Geno really the guy? Can you pass up a quarterback at number five if a guy long term is there? And it's perfect you have Gino for a couple of years. You can slow play. It. You can have him develop behind him a little bit. Like, it makes, like, logically, when you think of big picture, it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. But it has not been Seattle's M.O. Uh, it's Dan
0: Richo, Satyar Shah. We'll keep the draft talk going, but switch it to NHL draft and those prospects. Coming up next with Chris Peters on Canuck Central.